Previously on the Adventure Zone, you see a strikingly handsome, uh, dark-haired man. He's wearing a fancy suit that is covered by a long, black, flowing, cowled robe. Oh, it's death. I'm Kravitz. Charm. Lenny. Still not good. <laughs> Still not a good goof, but... We'll, 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 we'll. Uh, it's, it's like he's in the room with me. You've added quite a bit to your death count, haven't you? That one's on me. <laughs> he was in a loveless marriage. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. We were beach dwarves. We lived uh, on the beach. <laughs> uh, we had a, we had a, you would call it a cottage, but to us it was home. Magnus, you, you pop it open and unfurl it. You can see what's on it. But when you try to draw conclusions based on what you see, when you try to understand what it is you're seeing, your mind turns to static. This figure in this red robe is you. Ah, bet you goobers didn't see that one coming. What other tasty twists and turns await you in? The Adventure Zone! So, Taco, that night in your dormitory uh, that we kind of ended the last episode with, uh, you had a nice long discussion with Kravitz, uh, who, for those of you who maybe are skipping ahead or don't remember because it's been like seven months since Kravitz was on the show, is a, a bounty hunter for the Raven Queen, who's the goddess of like the natural passage of life and death. Um, so you had this conversation with Kravitz uh, in your dormitory um, for, for a good long time. And he seemed much less aggressive than he did when you sort of encountered him in Lucas's lab mm-hmm. where he, you know, was mostly trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, he sort of sat patiently while you explained the events of your time in refuge. Um, but, uh, so, so you're having this conversation with him kind of explaining what happened in refuge. Um, and he sort of explained like, you're, you're kind of, uh, you you guys are in trouble, obviously, because you've added to your death count, which he's not a fan of. But everybody in refuge also died like a lot uh, during those loops, and that somebody has to answer for that. But your discussion was cut short when Kravitz was summoned to hunt another bounty uh, for the Raven Queen. Um, but before leaving, he attuned your Stone of Far speech to his own and told you that he would reach out again to uh, continue your your conversation about what should happen to you all and to everybody in Refuge. Um, but you, Taco, decide to take the initiative in setting up the next meeting with Kravitz, and you're kind of hoping to sway him to your way of thinking to sort of save you guys and, and everybody in Refuge from getting sort of your your comeuppance. So uh, my question to you is, what do you do with, with Kravitz? What sort of... Uh, hang sesh do you set up with with Kravitz when you contact him? Um, 
see. I don't want to seem too eager. Right. That's important. Fishing is probably out. Does taco does taco fish? Know. Yeah, taco fishes. I mean, it's not. I don't. I didn't know that. Well, you haven't really. I never asked any bodies I've, of water. That's I'm true. I'm not sure we've ever encountered a body of water. Water doesn't exist in this universe. So. <laughs> um. Oh, did you hear what just opened on the um the the satellite on this on the station? No. It's so fun. It is a wine and pottery place. These are getting really hot right now. So there's one in the Bureau of Balance they HQ. There's a wine one and, uh, in the Bureau of Balance HQ. Okay. It's just sort of a way to like stress relief for everybody. So you go there, you unpop a bottle of vino, and okay. you just make a sculpture. Okay, so you've invited you re, you you call Kravitz up on the Stone of Far Speech. Mm-hmm. And invite him to a wine and pottery class on the in the Bureau of Balance. What's this place called? Uh, this one. Yeah, this place. This specific place. Uh, this all th- this one that they opened. Yeah. <coughs> uh, chug and squeeze. Chug and sque- chug and squeeze. The chug and squeeze is, is the a, name of it. Is this a franchise of a larger? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a franchise of a lot of these because you chug the because <laughs> you chug the wine and you squeeze the squeeze pottery. The pots, so what they call yeah. it is the chug and squeeze. All right, so a this sort of a, of a pretty unsophisticated name for what I would say is a pretty sophisticated business. But okay, well, they have to differentiate. This is the rowdy one. <laughs> so you this book- isn't the one that like caters to like your your pseudo intellectuals and your absolutely. Yeah, this is like the fun one. <laughs> You book two seats at a class, uh, an evening class at the Chug and Squeeze. Uh, on uh, during today, it's all Cabernet and vases. Um, it's their cabin vase class. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very very popular, and actually, it's really hard to get seats. But you manage to get uh, two seats together uh, for at, at the Chug and Squeeze for the cabin vase, and uh, uh, you you get there early, sort of to prep your station. Uh, so there's some some finger foods being handed out, and Kravitz doesn't show up for a, a little bit. You're actually worried that he's blowing you off. But eventually he does uh, come into the room and hang up his dark cloak and sit down, sort of uncomfortable next to you, uh, sort of unsure why you brought him here. Also, as you look around, you realize that it's um, it's like everybody else here is in couples. Uh, Carrie and Killian are actually here taking a class together, and like every, everybody here is like, more or less on a date. Did and, you say discomfort or super comfort? Uh, for, for Kravitz, Kravitz seems a little like... Uh, Kravitz thought maybe you would go to a place where you could have a quiet conversation about this, but instead has been dropped into this dropped into this place. And he says, uh, he says uh, well, Taco, this is... Uh, Taco, this is a pretty unconventional place to have an argument about sort of the, f- the fate of a whole sort of small community, but... Um, I I do like wine, so I'm I'm sorry. Do you mind if I drop the accent? It's like it's really really hard to keep it up, and when I'm not on the job, it just feels weird doing it. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. As long as I could drop my accent too. <laughs> he says, "Uh, so why did you? Why are we? Why are we here, Taco? Why can't we just like go back to the dorm and, and finish our our conversation?" Well, ironically, because I thought it would get weird, but <laughs> that is, I don't know why I thought this would be a better option. Um, 
also you're like very dangerous, so I didn't want to necessarily leave myself in in private with with you necessarily. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attack you, Taco. That's that's I don't here's the thing. I don't actually have a a contract out on on you or Merle or Magnus or anybody in refuge. I'm just trying to make sense of it because like I've never I've been hunting for a good long time and I've never known anyone uh, who has sort of bent the laws as much as you have. So I'm I, I like I'm just trying to understand what makes you guys so special. Hmm. Look at what I'm sculpting here. You what are you what are you sculpting? The the it's a bowl. Okay. Well, okay. I do want to st- a, a a big burly sort of instructor comes by and says, "Hey, it's vase day. It's cabin vase. No bowls." <laughs> Let me reshape it. As soon as he turns away, I fucking turn it back into a bowl because that's what I feel like making okay. today. That's where my muse, I don't fucking chain my muse up. Kravitz, Kravitz chuckles. He's like, I like your, your renegade spirit there. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. Look at this bowl, right? He's looking at it. Okay, so you see how it kind of curves up on each side? And in the middle, there's like a whole big flat part, right? That's where most people fall into. A lot of people are in this area right here. And really, people like you who are charged with sort of keeping the status quo, those are the people that you need to worry about. The people in the middle of the bowl. Me, this is, the this, other guy. What? This is a very confusing analogy. I just it's mean. not confusing at all. Okay. The, the people who are straight up, who are uh, down the middle, who are sort of regular <laughs> Joe Pastas. They're always going to be here on the flat part. And as long as you keep them under control and as long as you keep the herd thin there, it'll be fine. There's always going to be edge cases is what I'm saying. There's okay. always going to be people on the fringe that don't necessarily adhere to whatever rules you set out for yourself. That's everywhere in the universe, in every plane. I mean, you you explained to me last time we talked sort of what you you all are doing here, and it sounds very... It sounds important, but the fact that I visited you as much as I have means this line of work is just preposterously dangerous. So wh- why are you doing this, Taka? Why aren't you doing a a, a, a safer career? Because I'm worried no one else will have me. Wow, that was a that was a very honest answer. I'm I'm a bit shocked. Well, I mean that's the truth. Where if I can't be honest. At the chug and squeeze that I, frankly, my man, I, I don't know where I can. What else am I going to do? I, I uh, as far as anybody else knows, I, I my career as a chef is over. Nobody wants an adventurer who's uh, got as little experience as I have going in. I can't tell any, I can't put any of this on my resume. It'll look like scribbles. <laughs> so that's out. I don't have a lot of job prospects on that front. So here I am. I I can certainly understand that. I was I was given a pretty pretty difficult choice when I was faced with being a, a the, the career of being a bounty hunter for the goddess of death. It's I didn't grow up wanting to be that, of course. Who does? No. Yeah. I wanted to be a I wanted to be a, a a conductor, but unfortunately, uh you know, just life finds a way or death, I guess, the goddess of death. In this case specifically, yeah, Her, death. Yeah. I, I I appreciate you being so uh so open and honest with me, Taco. I feel like I kind of 
I feel like I understand where you're coming from. How much more dying do you think is going to happen, just so I know how to um, sort of pitch your case to the Raven Queen? Well, Dag, now we've reached something of an impasse, huh? <laughs> how much more? Us dying or, like, other regular dying? Just like um, any dying at all. What's well, the game plan there? I mean, there's going to be some. The thing in Refuge was definitely an outlier. I don't plan to die that many times again. So that was probably... If, here's what I'm... Here's what I'm going to say. And I put my hand uh, uh, on his hand to help him shape the vase he's been working on. It's very, very, it's very cold, his hand is. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, howdy. That is a clammy one. Listen, if we can overlook that unpleasantness, I think you're going to find a very acceptable level of death in the days and weeks ahead. That's that's what I'm going to say to you. A very normal sort of corporeal just usual amount of death okay i think i can i think i can close the case on this one um the people of refuge will be safe obviously you all will there will be certain exceptions made where they need to be made for the three of you um the raven queen is actually good good buds with uh lady istis so i understand you are now in her retinue so i i i think i think uh I think I can close my investigation here. Um, I I guess let's just enjoy the rest of the class. Hell yeah! Let's open up another bottle and see where the evening takes us. Yeah, you you have uh, you have a couple bottles and you make a uh, how did how does your vase? His vase turns out uh, uh, pretty well, about a oh, five five oh, out of ten. How's yours? Cool. Do? It's fucking perfect. Okay. There's never been a better vase than this. It's fucking tasteful and rad. Okay. Uh, you fire it, and you all get to keep your vases at the end of the day. Um, and while you're walking out, you're a bit, you're a bit drunk, bit, bit, um, just a little bit faded. Uh, and you're walking back, and it's it's nighttime. And you're walking ac- across the big grassy quad of the HQ, and uh, Kravitz turns and he asks, uh, "Taco, I I want to know, yeah, was this was this call for business or pleasure?" Yeah, I mean a little bit of both. I, I uh, for sure didn't want to be dragged to hell or whatever it is you do, stored in the ghost house or with Casper in the lot. <laughs> Don't want to do that in the mirror. If I remember, yeah. I, I am not interested in that. But if like, but also I, I I'm I, I love your style. Not crazy about the sort of cold clamminess of the skin but like uh yeah you know it's it's been a while out here he uh he like steps backward with a start and extends his arm and his scythe appears in his arm and uh a black cloak just kind of unfurls itself over his head uh, and sort of surrounding his whole body and all of a sudden his his super handsome face is now uh a, a skull uh, and he starts looking around desperately, and he says, "There's, there's something here. There's something here, Taco." It was, I feel, I feel it too. It was no, not, not this. That the, there's something here. It was in the Miller's lab too. I could feel it. It's, it's, it's dead and it's powerful and it's extremely close. Are you harboring a dark spirit, Taco? Do you, do you have suspicions that you might be some sort of vessel? And he's kind of eyeing you over uh, with the, with the scythe in his hand. Maybe I mean it's been like a few years. 
Was that a thing for a while? I eat old dead dudes with my umbrella. Is that a possibility, maybe? I don't... No, I don't think it's that. He's He starts looking around, and Kravitz turns his back to you and starts to sort of walk toward the middle of the quad, still kind of looking around for whatever this powerful dead thing is. And Taco, you actually uh, feel the Umbra staff in your hand start to raise itself up. Um, um, uh, it's, it's not controlling you, it's controlling itself as it sort of raises itself up and then your arm is outstretched holding the Umbra staff and it is pointed at Kravitz's back. What do you do? It looks like, it looks like it's like charging up a spell. I point it skyward. Okay. Uh, you, you, point the, you, you sort of wrestle with the umbrella for a second and you point it skyward and you shoot a scorching ray into the sky. Uh, and it, it doesn't hit anybody, but it like launches a flare up into the sky. And Kravitz turns immediately back towards you and he says, What, what was that? The Umbra Staff's trying to kill you, man. It's not me. What? The Umbra Staff. Check it out. I used to think Umbro, but it's actually Umbra. Uh, it it uh it it acted on its own. I don't understand. That's not. Can I see it? Okay. You hand it over, and he he looks it over, and he says, "Uh, this isn't like a this isn't like a cursed item. Maybe your umbrella's cursed, and maybe you should get that checked out. This is a this is a." This is a an undead being. This is like a lich or something big and powerful. And it's you're not a lich, are you, Taco? Not to my knowledge, not a lich, no. I mean, you're not. I would know if you were. Okay. Well, I've had a lovely evening, but this 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 I got a, I got a tr- arcane trickster's glove. Uh, no I mean, you can just lay all shaker. your stuff out if you want, but I don't Ring think it's frost. it's definitely not the salt shaker. Um he says, "Mockingbird uh, gum." He says, "No, it's, you don't have the gum. The is not a lich." Of pointing. I tell you what, he. I, I, I've had a lovely evening, but I need to go. Um, I need to go think about it while well, you're sort of uh, unspooling, like just like rod. unpacking all your magic items and laying them out on the ground. You realize he's uh, torn uh, another little rift in space and time to travel back to the astral plane, and he steps through and he says. Um, Taco, it's I've had a very I've had a lovely evening. Do you think I'll be hearing from you again anytime soon? Uh y- yeah, I mean as long as I don't, you know, die ag- again. Well, even so, we have we have ways of dealing with that. He says. Well, yeah, that's pretty much the best excuse I ever have, so I think you'll definitely be seeing me again for sure. Uh he chuckles and says, uh, "Well, hope if if that's the case, then hopefully not too soon." Goodbye, Taco. Adios. And, and the rift closes. Uh, so, Merle, you are on an away mission for this lunar interlude. Um, and it's something that you've done pretty frequently between between uh, uh, the the main story missions and deployments and scheduled Bureau of Balance events. Um, and and these little um, away missions are something that you handle with the utmost secrecy. And it's on one of these these outings that you find yourself in Neverwinter, um, specifically in the Sea of Gardens 
in Neverwinter's Blue Lake District. And it's your favorite place in the city. It's just this beautiful piece of landscaping, masterfully designed. Neverwinter is known as the city of skilled hands, and that shows here because this this uh, sea of gardens is just like a horticultural masterpiece. Um, it's, is it's, the Blue Lake District anything like the Red Light District? No, it's actually the exact opposite. Okay, cool. It's, cool, it's cool. a good way of thinking about it, though. Cool. Uh, so you're making your way through this area, which is essentially just this big, beautiful public park. You get the impression that someone is following you. Um, go ahead and make a uh, make a a perception check. All right. Four. Oh, you have advantage because you have the. I do have advantage. Yeah, you have those glasses. Okay. Oh, fifteen. Okay. Uh, With that perception check, as you are walking through this park, you turn around really quickly and you see a feathered cap duck behind a tree, just like a moment too late to keep you from seeing it. Um, And it is the the feathered hat of of this person who has been following you. Merle says, uh, "Okay, I see ya." Come on out. From out behind the tree, Angus McDonald, boy detective, oh, God. walks out. Uh, and he has his hands up. And he says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I knew you were going out on, on secret missions. And I just got so panicked about it. And I tried to talk to you about it, but I got too nervous. So I thought I'd just do some detective work. And I'm really sorry. I take the adamantium spanner. And I walk over and I raise it up. And while you're doing that, uh, walking over... With the adamantium spanner, you are tackled by a little dwarven boy with dark, wild hair uh, and several prominent missing teeth and a face full of of light freckles. And uh, it's, it's just a little dwarven boy. He's wearing a beanie, and on that beanie is a little cartoon illustration of a hamburger. And this, this little boy runs up and tackles you right as you're about to clobber Angus. Uh, and he says, uh, what'd you get me? What'd you get me? And the, the, he's accompanied by a, a a dwarven girl who looks, uh, a a few years older than him. Uh, and she's got straight red hair and glasses that almost mirror your own. Uh, and she's wearing clean linen robes with a book bag slung over her shoulder. And she says, uh, God, how many times do I have to tell you? Don't tackle him every time you see him. And Angus says, uh, sorry, sir, who, who's this? Who are these people? <sighs> okay. Look, kid, Angus, whatever, you got to promise me, give me your word of honor that you won't say anything to anybody back at the old base about this, or the adamantium spanner is going to go splatsky. Uh, he, uh, he, he promises, he crosses his heart. Okay, sir, who, what, what is this big secret you've been keeping? Um, Angus, I want you to meet my kids. Uh, this is Mavis. Um, she, uh, she does a little, uh, curtsy and says, uh, uh, hi, it's, it's nice to meet you. Who, who, who's your new friend? Pops, this is a the a child detective. He, I think he, I don't know. I think he looks for 
missing children or something. That's not it. That's not actually true. I well, just, whatever the hell, it doesn't a, matter. I'm more. You're of never going to see him again, maybe. So don't don't worry about it. This is the last you'll see of this guy. And this is this is my little fireball. This is this is Mookie. <laughs> Mookie. Uh, Mookie uh, doesn't even address Angus at all. Uh, uh, Angus has Angus has taken off his feathered cap, by the way, and is being very polite now to your children. Uh, Mookie just says, uh, "What'd you get me? What'd you get me?" Well, he's like pinning you down on the ground, demanding. All right, all right. <laughs> rassle, 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 rassle. Okay, here you go, Fireball. I got you this delicious root beer barrel. <laughs> it's I've dirty. Been... It's real dirty. Is well, it that, okay that... to eat, Steel? Yeah, listen, let Daddy tell you, that's called roughage. And you eat the root beer barrel, and it makes you regular. He throws the root beer barrel in his mouth and just is loving it. Loving it. Uh, <laughs> and Mavis says, Mookie, that's that's really gross. Okay, okay. Are you sure that's okay for him to eat? Oh, yeah, honey, don't worry about it. Would Daddy give one of you kids something bad? <laughs> uh, Mavis walks over and uh, starts talking to Angus and says, uh, he didn't tell you about us, did he? Okay, so uh, I'm Mavis. I, I'm, I'm Merle's daughter by marriage. My mom is Hecuba Ruffridge, formerly Miss Hecuba High Church during their shortly lived marital union. And that's Mookie. That's Merle's boy with, with Hecuba and my dear half brother. Angus is just like slack jawed at all this, by the way. Angus does not know how to respond. Um, and. Uh, Mavis walks over and to you and, and sort of picks Mookie up and dusts him off and says, like, okay, so tell us about your adventures then. Out with it. What, do you, what have you been up to? Well, just a bunch of stuff. Uh, some, I, got, I died a bunch of times. You what? Yeah, it was really weird. There were these worms. Did you go to heaven? Uh, no, not much chance of that, Fireball. No, not much chance of that. It, everything worked out, and we were actually heroes. This is one of the few times where we didn't uh, kill a bunch of people and, and blow a bunch of towns up. So uh, it was kind of a, a blue ribbon day for the Trace Horny uh, boys. Um, I mean, the, your daddy and, his daddy and his co-workers. What did you call yourselves before? No, nothing. No, no. It was. It was don't forget. It's another. It's like another language. It's it's uh, Fandalinian. So uh, yeah, don't worry about that. Oh, oh. By the way, Mavis, I brought you a little something too. I, I don't want you to think that it's not that a. Gr- is- it's not a gross root beer barrel, is it? No, 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 no. Okay. Because um, I'm allergic to dirt. I know we haven't really. You know, I haven't been a very good correspondent and i know i haven't spent a lot of time with you kids you know growing up so you know you're getting to the age now you're what 150 i'm you're no you're I'm like 12 you're, you're yeah but in dwarf years that's like like 12 years yeah 12 of them so i want to give you this so daddy can stay in better touch with you and i give her the stone of far speech Okay. You give her another stone of far speech. Yeah. I assume not your own. Okay. Yeah. You give that her a stone way, you give her a stone of far speech. She says, Oh man, I've I've actually been wanting one of the all the other kids in my class have a stone and like mom won't let me have one yet, so now, I'll, I'll just keep this one secret, I guess. I still have to, you know, uh, okay any apps that you put on your stone <laughs> of far speech and you know, there is a data limit, but you know, I just I think you're of the age now where you could, you know, use some sage advice, and while you won't get that from me, at least maybe I can tell you somebody to talk to. 
uh, Mookie spits out his root beer barrel, which he's been sucking intently on, and he says, Does mine have apps, too? Come on, get apps. It has appetizing flavor. Good enough. And he pops it back in. Good boy. Uh, so you have a you have a nice day in the park with Angus and uh, your your children Mavis and Mookie. Do you have any questions for for them? Yeah. So um, I kind of pull Mavis off to the side. Yeah. Uh, Mookie so, Mookie starts trying to wrestle with Angus, who is like, who's definitely never wrestled before. Oh, he'll kill him. Oh he'll yeah, Mookie's Mookie's just like yeah, destroying. Mookie, go easy. Okay, he's, Daddy. He's a big weenie. So, Mavis, uh, honey, you know, not that I care, but um, how's uh, how's your mom? Oh, yeah, I mean, she's doing really well. Her her Pearl Farm has been really, really productive this year, actually. She's got really uh, the biggest beachside property of the whole Coral Heart clan. So, yeah, she's no, doing well. She started dating again, like, and I thought it was going to be weird, but... Um, wait, 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 she's, da- uh, she's dating again? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, she's been doing that for a, a while now. Uh, but yeah, she's seeing a a, a, a nice uh, dwarf. You know him, uh, Glimeth. He was he was one of the. You, you know him. He's been in part of the Coral Heart Clan for decades well, yeah, now. Maybe yeah, but uh, you know, Daddy meets a lot of people, honey, and uh, not sure if I remember. So she's dating again. No shit. Yeah, it's I fun. mean, no kid, no kidding, no kidding. Uh, wow. Mookie runs up to you and interrupts your guys' conversation and says, Daddy, how much longer do you think you're going to be adventuring for? I get, I'm getting bored on the beach hanging out. Well, you know, Fireball, that uh, Daddy really, uh, you know, had kind of thought that, well, you know, when he gets done with, with this bunch, maybe you would want to go into the adventuring business with him. You know, it, it, it would be, you know, high church and son and daughter. Or high church and daughter and son. Simul- simultaneously, Mookie says, uh, that sounds like fun. And Mavis says, that sounds extremely dangerous. Hey, oh, honey, <laughs> you got Dadsky here to take care of you. You don't have to worry about any of that. I, you know, I don't like to brag, but in my little, my little group, I'm the go-to guy for any action, any fighting, any combat, uh, any spell casting. I'm, I'm kind of the guy. Angus is standing next to you now when you say that and just gives like a big fake shit-eating grin and gives a thumbs up and nods to like agree with what you've been saying. Um, and I, I glare at him and put my hand on the adamantium spanner. <laughs> okay. So, so you all have like a nice day in, in the park and it's getting late now. Um, and you are, uh, the, the four of you cross the bridge out of the Blue Lake District to, to head to the docks to get your kids back on the boat to, uh, the, the home beach of the Coral Heart clan. Um, and it's gotten, it's gotten fairly late. The docks have more or less cleared out at this point with most of the, the sailors having receded to the seedier parts of, of Neverwinter for the evening. Um, and Mookie has run really, really far ahead, uh, and is sort of investigating the, uh, display window of a port suites shop. That has uh, uh, been closed for a few hours now, and uh, Mavis shrugs and runs up to kind of console him because Mookie's very upset that this store is not open and in business. Uh, so, so they're way far ahead of you uh, and have finished crossing the bridge. You and Angus are sort of further back, and Angus says, uh, Sir, I know it's none of my business, but I'm, I'm curious why you haven't told anybody about, about your kids. Um, Angus, I would was a really crappy dad and i was an even crappier husband 
And, you know, one of my biggest shames is that, you know, I kind of left them in the lurch. And I've been, now that I've come into a little bit of dough, I have kind of, you know, been trying to rebuild my relationship with the kids. And, uh, you know, I, it's, you know, I don't want everybody to think I was a complete and total shithead. Oh, I'm sorry, poophead. Oh, you can uh, swear in front of me. Oh, shit. Thank God. Um so, you know, I didn't want them to know what a turd I was, but I really, you know, Pan has really helped me turn my life around. <laughs> he says, I'm uh, a new man. I'm a new man in Pan. He says, uh, I'm, you know, just watching you all, all day, it's just, I don't think you have anything to worry about. I think you're, I think you're going to be a, a good dad from here on out. God, don't make me like you, you little turd bottle. Look, thank you. I appreciate it, but I still don't want anybody to know about this, okay? He says, okay, it'll be our secret. Yeah, I, and you know what? I trust you because I think you know that if you say anything, Yes, you'll, keep, beat me, you'll beat I'll, me to death. Yes, I'll I got, I got you. you. I got you. I'll murder you. Yeah, um, yeah. About 80 yards or so ahead of you, you hear, uh, on, on the far end of the bridge, you hear a commotion, and you see... Uh, Coming down the the staircase from the uh, shopping district of Neverwinter and barreling down towards the docks is a huge wagon that is loaded with crates of, of trade goods that has come loose from its hitch um, up in, up in the trading quarters uh, and is barreling down this this long staircase towards the dockyard. Um, and Mavis is too busy trying to wrangle Mookie away from the. Uh, from from the, the the candy store to notice this wagon that is flying directly at them. And they're so far away from you and Angus, too far away for you to do anything except sort of run towards them and watch what happens next. And what happens next is pretty incredible because right when the wagon is about to fall on your kids – it changes directions suddenly and violently, and it pitches just 90 degrees to the right instantly, sending the whole wagon and all of its contents crashing through the front wall of this candy shop, um, sending the, the jars of sweets inside just scattering to the floor and uh, just, just destroying the front facade of this shop. And Angus is sprinting towards your kids, but you look around just for a moment, and to the left of this scene of destruction, several yards away, you see, obscured by a pile of, of shipping crates and downed sails, you see the red-robed figure that you've encountered half a dozen times now, and his arm is outstretched and crackling with energy. And he lowers his arm, and he turns to face you and nods, and then disappears. After, yes, Griffin. At, Wait, let me. Yes, Griffin. After the events of the last episode, you are having kind of a rough time because um, there are things that you saw on that scroll, and there are things that you know, but there are things that you can't think. 
and there are things that you can't understand and and that divide is just like it's just killing you man is like, it like fugue state you know what i mean no it's more like the what you saw on the scroll you saw yourself wearing a red robe right so you have that information you saw you see yourself wearing a red robe but there's a, a like a next logical thought that would come from that observation but when you try to think it your mind just turns to static so you saw it but you can't understand it but you know it but you like can't like figure it out and it's it's just tearing you apart and keeping you up at night um, is it safe to assume that it's the same kind of static as is usually associated with stuff that the void fish has blanked out yeah that that's that's the only thing you can think is that the, it's a familiar sensation uh of of when when information was sort of kept from you before you were inoculated by the void fish but that's not how the inoculation works right like after drinking the void fish's ichor it shouldn't be able to suppress anything from you yeah. um so you decide during one of your many sleepless nights after your discovery to head to the void fish's chambers to get sort of a direct answer from it well as direct as you can from the void fish sure um uh, it's really late. It's like 3 a.m. Um, there's a, a, just a, a small amount of uh, a small outfit of guards uh, guarding the hallway into the Voidfish's chamber, uh, and they allow you to pass through um, undisturbed. I think you probably have like a certain amount of um, like swagger? hero hero worship. Well, also swagger, but like I think these guards also know your name and know what you've done at this point, and like just think think the world of you so so they let you pass through no no problem um and you enter the void fish's chamber and you realize uh, uh that johan's already retired to bed this is the first time you've been in the chamber alone with the void fish um ever and the void fish is not asleep and, and in fact as soon as you walk into the room it twirls and fans out its tendrils in its tank as you enter the room and approach it and it, it immediately sings a refrain of its little song um what do you do I put my hand on the glass. It it immediately puts a tendril up on its side of the glass where your hand is. Hey, buddy. Um, it sort of it twirls around again, um, and and sings another refrain of its song, and then it it takes one of its tendrils and it kind of like motions upward, like pointing at the top of the tank, and then with another tendril, kind of like motions, like like beckons you towards it. Okay. In for a penny, in for a pound kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I came um, to talk to the void fish. I'm going to talk to the void fish. Okay. Uh, so it's it's motioning, like, upwards. What do you... Is there any kind of, like, stairs or any kind of, like... Uh, there's a ladder, there's a ladder uh, leading up to the top of the tank. Okay, um, I climbed the ladder. Do I need to do, like, an acrobatics athletics No, it's check? just a ladder. You you make your way up it, uh, and the, the tank has a... I a rolled top. a 19. Oh shit! Yeah, you climb it super cool and good. You do it one handed, no legs, one hand, totally sick. Um, and, and at the top of the ladder, you're on the the heavy metal sort of lid to this tank, and there's a hatch with a long handle on it, uh, and it pops open easily. And below you is just the tank and the the liquid that the void fish is suspended in. Um, and it's sort of backed away from from the side of the tank that the the hatch is on, sort of giving you room. To hop to on in. in. Yep. Well, you know, I said that thing about the penny and the pound. Like, oh, good. I get in. It's, I get in. Okay. You take a deep breath, and uh, are you going in like full, full, like 
all with all your stuff or what do you no, do? I, no, no, I'm I'm in my fantasy underpants. Okay. You strip down to your fantasy underpants. What are they? Are they fantasy me undies? Oh yeah. Okay. So they're stylish and comfortable, made of a modal fabric that wicks away moisture. Yeah, and uh, they're can I just say? They look great. Oh, they of course they look great. Anyway, uh you you strip down and hop into the tank. The water is like surprisingly warm. Um, it's not like I do the, want to paint it. I do want to say like it's just occurred to me that if anybody walked into these chambers right now, yeah, I would probably either like never live it down or get in the most trouble. Like this thing that I'm doing, I almost guarantee there are probably rules against like please don't get in the void fishes like pool. Yeah, people. I mean, people have to drink this stuff, right? Like at the very least, you are hopping into the be- the the beverage center of people of of like the inoculation station um so you you think about that but you lower yourself into the water and um you're actually like you're able to open your eyes in here and it doesn't like sting or anything like that everything is pretty cool and you lower yourself down to be like on the level with the void fish um and a single it, it outstretches sort of a single tendril and it starts to reach towards you with this tendril Okay. Do you do you are you cool with that? Can I tell you something, Griffin? Yeah, I Travis Macro would not be, but I think Magnus is totally down. Okay, um, this I got tendril, all these damn questions. It reaches out and taps you on the forehead, and as soon as it does, your vision kind of goes dark. Um, and Magnus is dead. And Magnus dies, and that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now it's on to the next. Um, no, you actually. Are, are shown a memory and it's not your memory um you are seeing a memory and you know that you are seeing it from the perspective of the void fish and you're in a dark place filled with twinkling crystal and uh that, that are just sort of casting these dancing lights uh on the wall and it's a, the wall of a cave you're you're inside a cave um but it feels because you're feeling what the void fish is feeling in this memory, it feels like home. And you know that because there's other void fish here too. And they are of, of varying sizes with, with sort of, you know how the void fish has like a, a spiral galaxy of lights inside of it. There are other void fish with like different patterns of lights rotating inside of their gelatinous bodies. And you feel like safe in this place, but you know that the other void fish have been communicating stories of a coming storm that will doom this home that will that will doom this safe place and so the void fish work to build up their defensives and 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 shut the world out and because they're sort of isolating themselves from this coming storm they don't really have any interest in entertaining these visitors that arrive who are groundwalkers and they're clad in these brilliant red robes and then suddenly the vision goes to static. And oh. it sort of, it pulls away from you in shock. Um, okay, I, I grab a quick gulp of air. You, you swim up to the top of the tank and get another breath and then swim back down. Uh, and the voidfish seems like kind of, kind of scared. It seems like kind of worried. Um... Uh, but after a moment, it it reaches out a tendril and touches you on the forehead again, and you're pulled into another vision, and you are 
the void fish again and you are with a uh, uh one of these red robes and you are you are sprinting towards a great silver ship like a great silver boat um that is starting to lift upwards out of the water where it's docked and then suddenly the vision goes to static and the void fish kind of retreats again um scared that it can't show you this this vision do, do you have any question for the void fish i realize like the void fish is re- like revealing these things to you but like does does magnus have any questions he wants the void fish to try to answer um i'm gonna try something magnus thinks can you hear me um the void fish uh spins around and sings out its song okay why why me? I, I feel like we are connected in some way. Why? Um hmm. Okay. The void fish thinks about it and then it touches you on the forehead again with one of those tendrils and it tries to show you that exact same scene of the uh of of it being uh taken toward a, a big silver ship uh, this time in this memory, which again, you can only see a few seconds of before it sort of statics out, uh, you see the sky is just pitch black. There is there is nothing happening in the sky. And you also see something horrifying. It looks like there are these big black pillars of tar sort of just falling out of the sky and smashing into the world that you're on. Um, and you also realize that you are sprinting towards this sported towards the ship and then the vision goes to static again and it pulls back away from you is this the past is, is this happening in is this the future what am i looking at um it's it it doesn't know how to answer that let's okay let's simplify uh flash once for yes twice for no um okay it 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 flashes once for yes is that a vision of the past? It flashes once for yes. Is that a vision of my past? It doesn't know how to answer that. Is it a vision of your past? Uh, it flashes once for yes. Were you separated it, from your family? It flashes once for yes. Um, it, it re- by the way, you probably need another breath. Um, and... Uh, when you come back down from taking this breath, it, uh, it it sort of spins around like it's excited, like it has an idea. And then it, it reaches out and touches you uh, on the forehead and you see you, you, you see what looks like um, you see what looks like a, a galaxy. You see this big scene, but it like really quickly it statics out. And then it tries it again, but this time, the galaxy, like this, this vision looks like um, it looks more rudimentary. Like it looks like a like a three D animation or something like that. But that statics out, and it keeps trying this and trying this. But every time it does, like the the vision becomes more and more and more abstract. Um, and finally, it shows you a vision that you can see all of without any static uh, that has been abstracted down to the point of looking like it's like a child's drawing. Um, and it's all cr- just like crayons and abstract shapes. 
and these these shapes seem to tell a story that you can see all of um, without being interrupted by the static. So you see 12 circles uh, of all different colors, and they are arranged in a larger circle, and they're rotating in, in perfect harmony with each other. And they continue this orbit for a few seconds, and then you see a bright white circle of light that sort of flies in and lands in the middle of their dance. And and for a moment, these 12 multicolored circles rotate a bit faster with more uh, complex rhythms spiraling inward and outward in this beautiful choreography, all with that, that white light at the center of it. And, and during that movement, that frenzied movement, another shape appears, and it's a huge black circle that slowly encompasses everything you see. Um, and it grows larger with each circle that's consumed. And then it's just that big black circle, all menacing and stationary. But then the white light shoots out of its, out of its mass, out of its side, uh, and flies away. And then the black circle moves slowly in pursuit. And then you see the same cycle again of the, the spinning circles and the light appearing. And then the big black circle coming to devour all of it. Um, and it plays about four or five times before you have to swim up to get a breath of air. Okay, I have at least three questions. Okay. Question one, and this is for Griffin the DM. Yeah. Or no, I'll ask the fish. Yeah, please. Does this have anything to do with the planes that Lucas was working with? Um, it doesn't know how to answer that question. Are you a prisoner? Uh, it flashes twice for no. Would you like to be free? Um, it sings its song. It sings a refrain of its song. Um, and then it looks, it looks like it's tired. It looks, it, it looks like it's ex- actually extremely exhausted. I, uh, I just it, have one more question. It, it looks up at you one last time. Should I trust the director? It doesn't answer you. It doesn't know how. Um, you climb out of the tank, sort of leaving this thing to recover. Uh, and as you start to uh, walk out of the room and, and dress back up, uh, you start to walk out of the room, and the void fish slams against the wall of its tank. And it's kind of it's kind of scary. Um, and it sings one more refrain of its song, and it sounds like, it sounds like panicked. It sounds like it wants something from you desperately as it's singing. Um, and it motions uh, towards a small desk in the back of the room with one of its tendrils. Are you hungry? It it blinks twice for no. And it it's pointing, 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 pointing towards the okay, desk. Okay, I check out the desk. Okay, this it, it's just a small desk that Johan has set up in the back of the room that, sure enough, he does have a bunch of compositions on. Um, and there's, there's one that, uh, is, uh, almost like on a comically small scroll, uh, that Johan has titled the void fish's lament. Um, Magnus plays an instrument, right? Like that's, that's something I vaguely remember from character creation. Yeah, he definitely does. He loves music and dance. That's right. Okay. Um, can I assume, I, I don't think you're like a master you know, lutesman or anything like that, or else it certainly would have come up in your story. But I remember when we were doing character development that he has some sort of... Yeah, he's got uh, some musical abilities. Um, 
so you see this this uh this this sheet music for the void fish's lament um and it's not an especially difficult song to play because it's just seven notes all arranged on a staff in two different phrases and so so you see this sheet music and you kind of play it out in your head and it echoes the tune that you've you've heard the void fish sing only it's been a while since you've um played any music and so you read the sheet music like you used to when you were first learning music by reading it letter by letter um in, instead of reading it uh, uh as as you know uh tabulature on a on a uh sheet of music and so you read the composition like that letter by letter and when you read it like that the the notes read e g g and then a rest and then b a b e baby you had a baby you have an egg as soon as you have that realization as soon as you say that out loud in a room you're not in and in a room you've never been something reacts to you saying what you just said in the void fish's chamber and a quick bright light flashes and a small, quiet alarm bell rings. Hey everybody, this is Griffin McElroy, your dungeon master, your best friend, and your... Sleepy time, boy. It is so late while I'm recording this. Thanks for listening to episode 50, the big 5-0 of the Adventure Zone. Another Lunar Interlude episode before we move on to a very important arc in our campaign. Thanks for sticking with us, and I'm excited to get started with the new thing, and I hope you are too. Uh, I have a few uh, things to say here in this commercial block of the TV show. Oh, man, it's not a TV show, is it? It's a podcast. You do a TV show for three weeks, and you think you're fucking George Lopez or something. We have an aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So, right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis... How did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. 
It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Chicago! We're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2. And we're doing live shows. All a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out. And Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2. Schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all of the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little Sailor Man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. I have a Jumbotron message here for Jen, and it's from Brian, who says, Thank you for being my adventuring partner for the past 10 years. Here's to 10 more years of dungeon crawls and excitement. I wonder if that I've... I'm, there's so many different possibilities here. Either this is sort of a metaphor for, like, a relationship, uh, or you you play D&D together for 10 years, or you are actual, like, I don't know, spelunkers or something. That could be very cool, too. Um, but congratulations on 10 years of whatever adventure stuff you guys are up to. Uh, got another message here, and it's for Shauna from Richard, and preferably read by Clint. I'm so sorry, Shauna. Dad doesn't know how to use email, so he can't actually get these these Jumbotron messages. Uh, to my wife of 25 loving years, I love you more than words can say. You're my bestest friend, my lifelong bedmate, my joyful noise, and my heart's one true desire. I'll gladly party with you on the next 25 years of adventure, as long as you'll stay by your champion's side and cast heal, uh, cast heal buff, and perception spells. Happy anniversary from the McElroys and me. Uh, congratulations. That is uh, such a big anniversary, Sean and Richard. And that's, that's so beautiful. Congratulations on that. And, uh, hang, just, you know, keep on, keep on doing your, keep on doing you. 
for 25 more years, but then at 50, call it quits. No, just kidding. And then 75 and 100 and then 125. Who knows how far medical science is going to take us? Medical science? Good God, it's late. Um, I want to thank everybody who's been tweeting about the show using the hashtag TheZoneCast. Uh, now is the time to uh, do that if you want to end up as a character on the show uh, because I'm picking names for the new arc pretty soon. So uh, tweet about the show using the hashtag TheZoneCast. Uh, m- mostly, we just like really appreciate you spreading the word about the show. We don't pay to advertise the Adventure Zone at all. So word of mouth is the only way that we have to to get out to new listeners, and you all have been so, so, so kind to us in that regard. Um yeah, just thank you so much. Uh, if you could leave a review on iTunes and you know, just tell a friend about the podcast, we appreciate all that good stuff too. Uh, we are a proud member of the Maximum Fun Network. You can check out all the shows at MaximumFun.org. Just start clicking around. You're going to find shows that you love. I guarantee it. Uh, we also do a bunch of other podcasts uh, be- between the whole McElroy family that you can find at McElroyShows.com. You can also find uh, contact info. We have P.O. boxes that a bunch of people have been sending us really cool stuff. Uh, uh, too. So, so thank you all for that. Uh, again, that's all at McElroyShows.com. I think that's it. Uh, the next episode is going to be up on November. Oh, nope, not November. Haha, <laughs> October 20th. Um, and it's going to be the start of a new arc that, oh man, I should start working on that. I'm going to quit recording this now and, 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 and get to it. Uh, so yeah, October 20th. See you then. Bye. So starting off with this, everybody's favorite section of the podcast, the, lev- the level up time, Whee! the level up shuffle. Um, we'll start out where we usually start out, I guess, which is with a trip to Leon the Artificer to put your tokens in the fantasy Gashapon. <gasps> I put my name myself and turn the handle myself. You fucking sprint into the room and Leon is like, hello the and you just like hold up a hand like, no, fuck you, Leon. And you just sprint up and slam dunk it into the coin slot and turn the handle. And he's like, a tear wells up in his eye. He's so proud and so relieved. <laughs> uh, roll a d20 for me, my boy. Oh, hold on. Sorry, one second. Yes, hello. This is Travis. Oh. Hi, Luke. I think he's getting a call from an apartment Oh, place. I'm doing great. <gasps> Listen to how cordial he's being. Magnus rushes in, but Travis is very cautious about his domicile. We sound like we're doing golf commentary, Griffin. I think he ought to go with a mashy niblick here. Uh, um, we could be there as early as Monday. So, let's see. That'll be uh, maybe a wood. He might go with a wood here. I think he's definitely, definitely got wood. Nobody can argue with that. <laughs> oh, I know, because he loves housing. And that gives him wood every single time. Uh, now, you've seen Travis uh, in this situation oh. before, Griffin. Uh, what can we expect him to How can Great. we expect him to attack the whole... That's not fine to me. <laughs> Decorating. Yeah. I could be playing Destiny right now. I could, I'm could. i going to actually juice you want to knock out a quick Iron Banner match. Great. Yeah, let's get a quick IV in. <laughs> um, so, yeah, send me the lease and tell me the best way to get it signed and get it back to you. And the best Listen to this businessman. Oh, I'll have the lease on my desk. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, it's it's really up to you guys. It's whatever you guys are comfortable with. Oh, we're fine mm-hmm. not doing it. Have it your way. Well played. Well played mm. indeed. Sounds like we're about to have a, a fateful signing. 
of an important document. Real gotta be, gotta, gotta be getting to the end of the phone call now, right? Yeah, I know, because we're almost done with the podcast. <laughs> we pay cable and water. <laughs> That's what it is. It's just like, you don't live there right now. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. No, well, you know that we have a. Well, yeah, I, I don't think I think that'll be fine. We have a water issue in the basement. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we just, you know, we're, we just decided it's a swimming pool now. Yeah, that's a way to look at it. And, <laughs> and you don't have to have a washing machine. You just dunk your clothes in the basement. Dunk them right in the basement zone. Yeah, they, so. That keeps it Sounds clean. Great. And, and the rat problem is almost completely cool. Out yeah, of I'll let you know. I mean, a good majority of them did drown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you're going to have to scoop great, up the floating dead ones. And, let's and see. sorry about that, fellas. Bazinga! We have it's it. in the hole. Yes, it's in yeah. the hole. Yeah. Away. All right. Congrats, Trav. Way hey, to go, thanks. bud. All right, uh, let's. We we have to get back into the game. Okay. Yeah, please. Um, My character sheet says I'm level ten. Is that right? Uh, yeah, you are now, we're, and we're going to get to that. No, no, yeah, no. But it, we were it level 10. Yeah, we were level 10. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. shit. Okay, we're going up to 12 then, boys. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, let's resolve this Gashapon roll first. I rolled 14. Okay. Uh, all right, so uh, you put your token in and turn it, and a fairly small capsule pops out of the fantasy Gashapon. Um, and when you uh, pop it open, you see inside just... It's just a plain sort of uh, bronze or maybe even copper ring, uh, and it doesn't have any sort of etching or anything on it. It's just like a, a plain uh, uh, sort of uh, brown metal ring, uh, and you bring it to Leon, who cracks open his big uh, book of magic items and is flipping through it. Like he's going, let's see, rings, 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 and he's holding it up because there's a bunch of rings in this book, uh, but he thinks he's finally found it, and he says... Uh, Oh, this is a uh, this is kind of a neat one. This is the ring of the giant slayer. It goes um, on your penis. It's meant uh, for your dingle donger. No, it's a finger ring like a normal one, but um, you wear it and it grants you uh, some extra proficiency when battling something uh, much larger than yourself. Um, which means that while you're wearing the ring, you have uh, plus one attack against and plus one AC uh, versus attacks done by enemies uh, who are of a the, the size category large, which means like eight to 16 feet or Ooh. higher. So, so anything that's like anything that's eight feet tall or taller is uh, technically of large category or giant or uh, like gargantuan or colossal. I fight a lot of those things, so I think that that's yeah. probably useful. Uh, yeah, so when you're fighting something basically much bigger than yourself, you get uh, one extra AC and one to plus one to attack. Cool. I, so I put look it, out Yao Ming. Yeah, I put it yeah. on my non-wedding ring finger. Okay. I, you have nine of those, so. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you uh, would stack them up like a roll of lifesavers. pointer finger. Okay, cool. Uh, who's up next? Okay, Merle. Okay. Merle steps into the room. Okay. And from about 10 feet away, takes his token. Oh, God. And bounces it on the floor like beer pong, and it goes right into the slot. Okay, well, no. <laughs> Got to roll for that. You're going to roll if you're going to do a trick stunt. I'll do it. I'll roll. I have uh, that this much would confidence. Be, this, is, this is just like, a, I guess, a, a ranged attack with a coin. 
Why do sure. you guys do this every time? As soon as you, as soon as Leon sees you stop and not approach the machine with the token, he's like, <laughs> "God, no, please, God, no!" I, I whisper to, I just want to, I did, I was a good, good gosh boy. Oh, you're boy. a good boy. He hands you a toffee. Yeah. Well, now th- th- this nom, should be nom, wisdom nom, because nom. it's it's calculating the angles and it's a lot of trigonometry. Okay, sure. Yeah. Why not? Okay. So fifteen. Plus three for wisdom, eighteen. Uh, oh, with an eighteen, it still doesn't go in. This would require oh, baby, basically the greatest roll of all time. And in fact, it plinks off the glass of the machine and it hits Leon in the in the face, <laughs> and he like recoils. He's like, "Oh God, just pick it up, please, and put it in the machine, please. I'm dying. I'm in hell. I'm in hell, and you're Satan." <laughs> okay, so I pick it up and I walk over the slot. I'm a bit chagrined. Yeah. Although I'm not really sure what a, a chagrin is. And okay. I put it in the slot and turn the, the crank, but I turn it in the wrong direction. It just doesn't do it like that. It doesn't turn like that. It won't turn like that. Well, it should. It doesn't. It turns in one direction. Which direction does it turn in? I think clockwise, but do you it think? Just... You think clockwise? It's not real. Daddy's making it up. It oh. turns clockwise, and I know it. Okay. <laughs> So I start to turn it clockwise. And it goes, the coin falls in, and it, you, it does the thing. Okay. All right. Roll a, roll a d20. Uh, how about a six? Oh, no. Oh, God. Is that Griffin saying, oh, God? Oh, no. No, it's fine. Oh, no, this one's amazing. Okay. Uh, a, uh, a, a fairly large capsule, about three feet long, uh, falls out of the machine uh, and you uh, sort of effort to pop it open. I don't know. How, how tall is Merle? This wow. thing may be taller than him. Probably uh, not four feet. Maybe three and a half three feet. And a half feet. Three yeah. and a half. That's a little... Okay. Uh, yeah, this thing is about as big as you, and you pop it open, and inside of this container is a broom. And <laughs> uh, that's it. It's just a nice broom. And you sweep things. No, you take it over to Leon, who is like, oh, well, I, I don't even really need the book for this, but I, I guess let's keep it official. And he opens up the tome to the only entry for Broom. Uh, and he says, uh, you lucky boy, this is a fun one. This is a broom of flying. Uh, and sure enough, this wooden broom, which weighs three pounds, functions like a mundane broom until you stand astride it and speak its command word. It then hovers beneath you and can be ridden in the air. It has a flying speed of 50 feet. It can carry up to 400 pounds. Uh, uh, you can send the broom to travel alone to a destination within one mile of you. If you speak the command word, name the location, and are familiar with that place, the broom comes back to you when you speak another command word, provided that the broom is still within one mile of you. you awesome. Have a, you have a magic flying broom. I can play Quidditch now. You can yep. definitely play Quidditch. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. Thank that's, you, Gotcha Pond Machine. That's good because you also like doing dumb mounted attacks that yeah, never work. Yeah, and I and I apologize for being a prick. Uh Leon just nods and shakes his head. Uh and then Taco, Leon doesn't say anything to you. He just like fucking <laughs> stares daggers at you. Yeah. But he's, in your direction, just stone faced. Leon sees Taco uh, walk dutifully across the room uh, and uh, to, uh, walk up to the machine and uh, drop a coin in and turn it. And he, and he hears, but his back is, um, he hears he hears it because Taco's back is to him. He falls to his knees and 
thanks a god the the name of which you've never heard before and he is weeping <laughs> and shuddering and just just then uh taka's coin flies across the room and smacks leon in the face because it had been a clone i cast miss lead out in the hallway <laughs> And it was, and Taco is just screaming with laughter. It's the funniest thing that's ever happened in Taco's entire life. It's literally the best. I don't even want anything. You can keep, literally, keep the coin. Nothing you can give me would be better than your expression right now. Uh, the coin bounced off his face and rolled off his desk, um, landing fairly, fairly close to you again. And he is just like, he's in shock, I think. He's stopped. He's stopped crying. He doesn't seem like sad or disturbed. You, he seems um, like he's broken. Yeah, he he he's he is no longer functioning. You have Great. you have you have thoroughly broken this man. I win. All right, and then I pick up my coin and I put it in the machine, <laughs> and it is sixteen. Okay. Uh, okay. A um, a capsule about the length of your hand falls out of the machine. And when you pop it open, there is what looks like a uh, a, a small uh, circular bracelet inside. Um, and you are going to have to look this one up. You, like, scoot uh, uh, Leon's book away from him as he is frozen in place uh, uh, and start looking through the bracelet section. Um, and you finally find one with a picture of the bracelet that you have. And you find an entry for... Uh, the band of projected thought. Uh, and hmm. what this does simply is you can communicate telepathically with any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. Hmm. Okay, cool. Like forever? While you're wearing it, yeah. Wow, nice. That was a good batch of items, guys. Um, but you know, you know where we can find an even better batch of items? Where's that? <gasps> That's where the, the music just played there. Griffin, I have oh. a question for you. Did you purposefully not tell Merle the command word for the broom? Does he have to I'm going to come it, up like, with my he's, Oh, he's, de- he's defo going to come up with it himself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I sent you all the uh, batch of Fantasy Costco suggestions. I just want to say we got uh, 1,300 emails <laughs> with su- suggestions, and I went through. Uh, it's, it was a labor of love, but I went through pretty much all of them. Um, and gang, they got so good. We're getting like fairly close to the end. This, this may or may not be the last fantasy Costco trip, but it probably won't be. There'll probably won't be one more, but like y'all are getting so good at this. Um, and thank you all for, for sending in those suggestions. Uh, so yeah, we got some new items and then I have also every item that you all haven't purchased. So the store's catalog is pretty enormous at this point. Um, so, oh, and you have 1,800 gold pieces. Plus, if you had any left over, I don't know if you've been tracking that uh, from, from previous trips, money that you didn't spend. I think um, we had 200 left. Are you making that up? or No, I, re- I don't know why, but I, I seem to remember 200. Maybe not. Because we didn't spend everything because we put some in the pool. I, 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 let's, let's just stick with 1,800 for now. And just then... ask our listeners to tweet at us right now. Yeah, tweet and... at us right now. Oh, wait, that's... Not how time works. Damn. Well, now the eighteen hundred was that our reward for bringing in the item? Yeah, that was your payment. Each of you got eighteen hundred. Each. Yes. Yes. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we got some new stuff in here. Uh, I'll just start going down some of it, and if 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 you all want to purchase any of these new items, holler so we can um, 
just just read it that way. Well, I, I already know what I'd like to buy. Okay. I want to buy the Ring of the Grammarian. Oh, that is such a fun one. You can uh, use the Ring of the Grammarian to, once per day, alter one letter in a spell title as they're casting it for a different effect. For instance, the user could start <laughs> casting Cause Fear and activate the ring to instead cast Cause Bear. <laughs> The effect God. of these spells are determined by the DM taking the wishes of the caster literally into account. Maybe the one best. of the best side. Maybe one of the that was sent and appropriately it was sent in by Harry Best. Yeah, it was uh, fucking fucking incredible. The guy that started so, Best Buy. Yeah, that was him. So, so good. All right, so you're buying that. That's seven hundred gold pieces. So you have eleven hundred left. And I am going to stash the eleven hundred because I'm going to start saving up. So I can buy uh, the the butt kicking John Williams eight year old son Colin flaming poisoning raging sword of doom. That one, remember, now that you, one that one does remember, cost sixty thousand gold pieces. I know. And you remember Griffin saying that this may be our last arc, right? I'm planning on getting making a lot of mula mula in the next. <laughs> and arc. then buying a sword for like and the then final buying a scene. Giant sword. Yes. Okay. Yes, Travis. I'm in. I'm in. I, hey. Go for it, dude. I'm totally well, into some it. Some of your teammates could totally use that money. No, dog. No, you can't. This is good shit. That's good shit. Now, think about it, Travis. I buy swords all the time that I don't use. That's capital G, capital S, good shit. We're moving on. <laughs> all right. Yay, me. <laughs> Garfield, the, Garfield the Deals Warlock goes, uh, I love it. Chase that paper, son. <laughs> <laughs> don't stop thinking about tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I see two things I really want, and I can't decide between them. Uh, does it include things like the slicer of Tapirwile Isles, sent in by Riku Sakinen, which is a uh, item that is useless, uh, but with a good enough sales pitch, you can convince anyone of its value and get them to trade you their most valuable possession. That's a fun one. That is good. Um... I, I do want to point out we got about 20 different vaping-based items. <laughs> the one I went with is the Billow Branch from Jordan Reed. Uh and it just is a, a cool vape that you can use to uh, gain advantage on the appropriate persuasion and intimidation checks. Or just use it as uh, for, for other purposes as well. No, oh, I think there are those. What um, do you think about? I do like those. I'm looking at the Pocket Workshop because I'm pretty sure it was created for Magnus. Uh, yeah, this one was sent in by Joshua Kelly. Do you want to read the description? Yes. From the makers of the Pocket Spa comes the Pocket Workshop. Our top-of-the-line Master Craftsman's woodworking shop is concealed within a battered red toolbox. When opened, the toolbox reveals a descending staircase that leads to a pocket dimension containing your deluxe Craftsman's workshop. Your workshop is well-lit, properly ventilated, and equipped with saws, planes, lathes, and dozens of hand tools. Everything you need to make your project a success. The workshop is always stocked with the highest quality wood from across the realms as well as nutritious snacks and refreshment. So it takes, it's a, a kind of like the pocket spot. It's a pocket dimension where you can go and do some woodwork. Uh, and while you're inside of it, uh, uh, I don't actually like the time distortion thing because I feel like you could use that to do some really fucked up shit. Oh, and uh, I so would, Griffin. Yeah, so there, there is no time distortion field okay. inside of it, but it's just a little workshop that you can pop into whenever you need to. Then you're going to need to lower the price on that. If there's no time distortion, yeah, I think... Yeah, I agree. Eight- I'll tell you what. I'll I'll take the pocket workshop and the grappling hook for eighteen hundred. Hmm. Hmm. The grappling hook you only use once a day. I think that's yeah. a fair deal. Uh, it was the the grappling hook was sent in by Brett Tucker, and just basically once a day, it is a 
a hook shot you can use. I put the once a day restriction on it because like otherwise you could more or less nullify most like acrobatics, athletics checks that you would ever need to do. Um, so yeah, you could use it for all kinds of different stuff. Um, Garfield approaches and says, mm, England to make a deal. That was 42 huh? L's. What, uh, what can you give me to sweeten the pot? I think that since you removed the time distortion thing, that's a discount. That's a, it's, it's clearly faulty. The description says that it distorts time, but I tried it out. I plugged it in. It didn't do it. So <laughs> I feel like that's at least 25% off right there. If you can sweeten the pot with goods of your own, maybe we can do a handshake thing. Uh, I've got a frosty mug. That's some bullshit. No, 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 I don't have a frosty mug. I got a mug that doubles the potency of, of the drink. Ooh, still bullshit. <laughs> How was that bullshit? He, um... <laughs> he goes, I know what I want. Your sideburns. <gasps> Give them to me, please. Ooh. Well, the problem is I would do that, but I physically cannot. I drank a magic potion to keep my facial hair always looking exactly the same. I can't change it. He pulls out another magic potion. He says, this magic potion cancels that one out. He pulls out a razor. Come on. Let's get it going. See if I have just to pass one. because if I did this, there'd be a lot of fan artists who would be very mad. <laughs> he, sw- he comes in really close. He says, uh, how about just a little, just a tiny little scraping? And you can do it yourself. Just a few hairs off those beautiful burns. What do you say, bud? Do it. How many hairs? Name it. Name it. Name, pick a number. For my needs. <laughs> Dark needs. Uh, five hairs, thank you. We'll be good. Deal. Okay. You hand over 1,800 gold pieces and uh, a few hairs off of your burns. It's going to take me a minute to pluck these babies. They're heavy roots. Okay. Ooh. How does that... I, I mean, are we talking like two hands on a big pair of tweezers, just like pulling as hard as you possibly can? Ooh. Yeah, but we'll let Taco shop. Uh, while I work on it. While you just scream in the background? Okay. <laughs> you, but you hand over these five hairs and 1,800 gold pieces, and you get the pocket workshop, and you get the uh, grappling hook. Uh, taco? Uh, yeah, I would like to take the slicer of Tapir Weir Isles. Okay. And I'm not sure how that one's pronounced, but the description yeah. is very cool. Uh, and, that's, uh, the, that's the one that you can convince somebody of a magic item. Uh, uh, let's see. And the what's wrong? I was just going to read some other descriptions because it feels like we're like wrapping up here. There's the uh, Rickle Axe Ager's Pocket Guide to Adventuring Third Edition. This is the other item I'm picking up. Oh, excellent. Uh, well, let me read one of the other ones then because uh, another really good one was sent in by uh, Sebastian Simon. Oh, and the jar of bees. It's a jar of bees, which is a literal jar of bees. <laughs> could probably throw it at enemies or through a window and create a distraction, but they could also be dum dums and drop it and get stung a whole bunch. We would. That is how that would work out. But you're going with the the Pocket Guide to Adventuring 3rd Edition. Yeah, that'll be 2,000 total. So uh, I'm hoping that we can strike up a deal. What are you selling, stranger? Uh, I will give you this very cool Ring of Pointing in addition. Um, Didn't you buy that here? Yeah, and then I never don't. and then never used it, huh? Yeah, it's still in its mint condition. It's yeah, still in the package. Maybe you could get a refund. Do you still have the receipt? No, I I'll give. I could give you two hundred in store credit for that completing the transaction. Perfect. Great. 
Okay. Um, this the did you explain what the guide to adventuring does? Yeah, it once per day. Uh, I can read a section on an associated skill check, and for the next twenty four hours, uh, I can have advantage on it. Um, and I can also read that aloud to give the advantage to another party member. Yeah. Uh, which is pr- a pretty good item, but it's it's also uh, mm-hmm. very expensive. And also, like, how often do we do like? the same skill checks over and over again. Not that often, so. Are you trying to talk him out of it? No, I'm saying, like, I'm 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 talking to our listeners who are going to, uh, some of whom are going to know that that is a very powerful object. All right, is everybody done shopping? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to read the section on the persuasion in there first, because I, I figure there's no need to waste it. Just go, go ahead and talk. get it popping. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Cool. Uh, okay, are you all done here at the Fantasy Costco? Yeah. I have one more transaction I'd like to conduct. Okay. Garfield. Yes? I have something that I think is really going to interest you. Oh my god! This is the slicer of Tapir Weir Isles. <laughs> and I notice that you have a really cool sword. It's a flaming, poisoning, raging sword of doom. I believe it's called. Oh, my God. I'm looking at your entire stock, and it does seem to me that's your most valuable possession. Would you say that's accurate? (laughs) Yes, it's absolutely the most valuable thing in the store. (laughs) Well, get ready to talk about that in the past tense, my man, because I have got something really special for you. This is, number one, an exotic item. I know people are always looking for those. You can't buy this as any store around the block. In fact, mm, as far as I know... A, it may- from a faraway land, it smells of, of exotic spices. Oh, I imagine. I'm very impressed. You know, not a lot of people have the sort of olfactory uh, acuteness able to sense that. You uh, must be a very discerning smeller. Uh, so th- this is a very valuable item, uh, and and trust me when I say it is going to pay big, big dividends for you uh, 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 if we could just make this transaction. This is, as much as this pains me to say, I've come here uh, and and I only have this to offer. I have no gold and I say it pains me because you're getting such a good deal off of me, but I do need... But, well, my thing costs 60,000 GPs, so how many GPs is yours? Get ready for this, 61,000. Can you believe it? What a steal, eh? That's quite a profit! Mm Mm-hmm, I know that's what you're all about, is profit, hmm? Okay. Well, (laughs) make a persuasion check that you have advantage on. (laughs) Two? That's probably not gonna get it done. And 18. Plus? Zero. Just 18. Um, shit. I will point out to you, Gervin, 18 is the third best number he could roll. Yeah. All, all, the, all, all the numbers you could roll. Uh... I also want to just say, I can't speak from world, but while this is going on, Magnus is just, like, darting his eyes back and forth, like, kind of like, is this going to work? Is this in there? Oh, uh, shit. He says, uh, let me smell it. He, and he takes the item, he smells it. Mmm, those spices, though. And he gives a little taste, and he says, mm, 
All my senses are delighted by this bad boy. Yeah, okay, it sounds fair to me. <laughs> nice. And he goes and cracks open the case and retrieves the flaming, poisoning, raging sword of doom and hands it over and puts the and puts the slicer in the case in exchange. And he comes back to you and Taco and he says, Sucker, you have no idea what you've just done, do you? No. You've just made a bad trade. <laughs> this stone you said is worth 61,000 GP is worth easily double that in the hands of a, of a brilliant merchant like myself, Garfield. I mean, I do want to point out he did just sell it for 900. <laughs> What are you talking about? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> that was OOC. All right. Well, I guess I, we'll figure that out later. I strap the flaming raging, <laughs> the flaming poisoning, raging sword of doom to my back, where it shall remain. Okay. You're not gonna let your your old fighter buddy use <laughs> no. that sweet ass sword. <laughs> I no, knew that was coming. It's just a style play. <laughs> it's like a spoiler up there. It does it's like plus twenty melee damage. It's, it's like my neon undercarriage. It's just it's just trying to 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 get a great look. Uh, well, I guess saving my money was a stupid ass mistake. Holy shit, that was funny. As soon as I realized what you were doing, like I was sent into a panic spiral. <laughs> uh, let's let's go ahead and, and level up and then be done with it. Uh, uh, so, so I've written all mine down. So I, okay, I, I'll start. Are you moving up the fighter tree or the, the yes? I'm moving thief up tree. fighter tree. Okay. Um. So I get uh to either add two to one ability or. One to two abilities. And also, this is another call out I'll put to the listeners because I don't want to go back through 50 episodes. I can't remember if I've been doing that on every even numbered. You have been. Okay, great. Yeah, I've been, so, I've been making you do that. Um, so, but just remember, you are essentially now moving up to level 10 in the fighter. Correct. Tree. That's what I leveled up. Okay. Um, so I'm going to bump up my wisdom from 11 to 12. So I add one there. And strength, 18 to 19. Uh, okay. So that doesn't add anything, but sure. Uh, proficiency um, bonus moves up to four, if yes. it wasn't already. And also, your uh, at level 10, your superiority die turn into D10s. Yes. So now you have that advantage as well. Um, and I also get a new... Uh, a new uh, maneuver? Th- maneuver. I'm going to go with precision strike, um, which allows me to add my superiority dice roll to attack rolls. Oh, that's a cool one. Um, and I also get Indomitable, um, which is a skill that lets me do a second chance on uh, a save roll. Um, and my hit points increased from 92 to 107. Jesus. All right. Uh, so Precision Attack, just want to make sure you know that you do add the superiority dice to um, to a roll, and you can use it before or after. Yes. The attack so if I miss, I can, can then add it. use yeah. it. Yeah. That's a really cool one. Okay. All right. That's a lot of neat stuff. Yep. Uh, and you can only use your indomitable thing once per day. Correct. Okay. I think that's right. I'll, I'll be up front with you. I'm away from home, and I don't have my most updated No, yeah. It says, you, it says you can't use it again until after a long rest. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying I don't have my most updated character sheet, so I'm pretty sure my hit points were at 92 before this, but I have to double check. All right. We'll figure it out. Uh, who's next? Uh, go ahead, Deb. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm going up to eleventh, right? Twelve. 
12. Yeah. Okay. You do that twice. That's going to give you that twice. And that's how much XP you get, or uh, extra HP you get. Oh, I forgot to do my Constitution modifier. That's another six HP for me. Okay. Okay. So, all right. There's the first D8, and that's a. Ooh, that's a six. And I add my Constitution to it, and that is a three. So that's that's nine extra HP. And then nine. And that's a five. Plus three. And I add three to that. That's eight. So I add 17. Yes. Which takes me up to 71. Yes. Uh, Starting at level 11, you have access to height. You can cast level six spells now. Uh, At level 12, you get an ability score improvement. Right. Um, And I also, I get destroy undead. CR2. That just means whenever you uh, cast turn undead on like a group of things, now it kills like... A, a stronger set of enemies, right? Okay. So before it might kill like the weakest skeleton or whatever. Now it can like wipe out a pretty big squad of of pretty sturdy undead guys. Awesome. So, okay. Um, and then level six spells, right? Yeah, you can cast level six spells. You have to add a, a either one point to two different ability scores or two points to one ability score. Um, so if there's something you want to bump up, uh, that's your charisma. Uh, intelligence, wisdom, strength, constitution, dexterity. Well, it seems like dexterity throws me off a lot, so I'm going to add both to dexterity. Okay. What's that bring you to on dexterity, Done Two. <laughs> well, it brings me to 12, but the modifier's two. Okay. Modifier would be one. Yeah. At oh. 12, it, it, it would bring you up to plus one. Okay. Uh, and then I think that's it. Ha- uh, my hit points are up to 64... Whatever I have, uh, twelve d six hit die. Um, I get the extra ability points. Are really the only cool things for me here. I'll keep that at twelve then. And so, if my charisma is ten, I make it at eleven. That's not going to change anything, right? No. Right. Well, but if you put them both into it and bumped it up to twelve, then you would get plus one modifier. Um. Okay. I'm just gonna put one into intelligence to make that 18 great and then i'll put the other one into charisma and make that 11 okay so now you have plus four so your spell casting modifier goes up even one more yeah uh and all right. you also get a six le- you get six level spells yeah well, you get, yeah well yeah you have one six level spell slot uh okay that's everybody right yep let's end with an epilogue just to give it, give it, give it something hot here at the end, something spicy. I love me a good epilogue. Now, I wish it hadn't taken me forty some odd episodes to discover the power of a good epilogue. Mm-hmm. This is the epilogue. Are you mm. ready? Are you ready We're for in the epilogue? Okay. Yes. Um. So you all aren't seeing this. Taco Merle and Magnus aren't seeing this. I mean, this is just sort of like a a a, a shot in the movie that the audience is seeing. Uh, and what we're seeing is a disheveled study. Um, of of somebody who's preparing for something big. Uh, it's somewhere underground. There's a there's a chill in the air permeating permeating these wet stone walls, and the the room is lit by several dozen candles, which are all arranged around a desk, which are piled high with magical tomes and and piles of maps. Uh, behind that desk is a large wooden board that is displaying a, a map of the whole of Faerun, the the, the continent that this story takes place on Uh, and there are strings connecting images and diagrams at certain points on the map like 
uh, Phandalin and Armos and Greenhold and Rockport and Goldcliff and Neverwinter. Uh, and, and, and all these different cities are sort of connected by this web of strings and pictures and diagrams. Um, and it's the, the board of somebody who's been tracking the relics and the, the bureau intently. Other than the candles, there's another source of light in this room, which is a six-foot-tall glowing pod that stands on the opposite end of the room from, from the desk. And it's full of a swirling green liquid. And inside, we can see something growing, um, or rather, someone growing. There's, there's a body being created inside of this pod, but the liquid inside is too opaque for for us to see who it is and the last thing we see is the desk again and there's a scroll that uh is unfurled and held in place by uh four candles one at each corner and this scroll is an incredibly detailed map with a route drawn through it in red and it is a map depicting with perfect accuracy the headquarters of the bureau of balance MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. The great questions of your life. The great questions of your life. Should you put ketchup on a hot dog? Put ketchup on a hot dog. Toilet paper. Over or under. Toilet paper. Star Wars. Star or Star Wars Trek. Or Star Trek. Fear not, my friends. Fear not, Mark my and friends. Hal always reach the definitive answer. Simply listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal. Every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Pacific on Maximum Fun. Fun. We got this. Your better self is right around the corner. Namaste. I love forget me not. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. And we've been doing Jordan Jesse Go for almost 10 years now. And it's not gotten any easier to describe. So we asked our fans to do it for us. Jordan Jesse Go is a weekly conversation with two best pals, two hilarious friends, the hilarious smart kids talking about hilarious stuff that happens to them, mostly really stupid stuff, awkward anecdotes, insane tangents, heartfelt stuff. It's like being thrown in the middle of a hilarious conversation between you and your best pals. It's a show that makes me laugh every week, which is pretty rare and wonderful. It might be the best thing on the internet. One of the funniest things you will hear. And it's the best part of my week and has kept me company for the past seven years through all sorts of life. I love those guys. That's Jordan Jesse Go, the comedy podcast that's been named Best of iTunes. Every Monday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite podcasting software. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you.